This is CNN Breaking News. And we begin our coverage tonight with the breaking news that we're following. Classified government documents found inside one of President Biden's private offices. The records dating from Biden's time as vice president. Sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November in a box among unclassified material. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center. When they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet, they stopped the work and contacted the White House. White House lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives in turn contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. Attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center. The FBI is also involved in the preliminary inquiry, which a source says is nearing its conclusion. Agradecemos a, agradecemos a los medios su, It is January 11th, 2023. Welcome to The Daily Rob. You can find Rob all across the internet. Check the All My Links. It has all of his socials. And without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Rob Smith. Hello, folks. How is everyone today? Stu, real briefly, I'm sure you watched the Georgia TCU game. It was, um, God, pretty impressive for the dogs. But anyway, Stu, you know what's not impressive is President Biden's handling of um, top secret documents. Um, again, there's things that even I didn't know, Stu. But um, so these documents he has, uh, apparently, they pertain to Ukraine. Now, why would he not want the government to have their hands on those documents? Stu, one has to ask himself or herself that question. Hmm, I wonder what those documents say. I wonder if it has anything to do with influence peddling, barisma, uh, direct payoffs, Hmm, I'm wondering if the reason we're giving so much money to Ukraine is because they haven't blackmailed. These are legitimate questions, and in a transparent democracy, we get answers to questions like this immediately. Unfortunately, we don't live in a transparent democracy right now. The deep state, um, they lawyer up, and they and they just do not comply with any subpoenas or any legal actions. They take forever to get around to actually giving you, the taxpayer and the, and the citizen, the information you need uh, to have a, a clean government, and they get away with it. Another thing that is kind of unsettling, but I'm telling you, there's probably a treasure trove 
of, of corruption here is this Biden Penn Center. We all know about the Clinton Foundation, but um, this has received practically no news. I think I knew something about it. Uh, I knew something about it, but uh, I thought it was just this meagerly funded uh, organization that probably had about five people on staff. But still, it's much bigger than that. And it is, again, an influence peddling money laundering operation, much like the Clinton Foundation. Uh, it had, you know, a little bit of money before Joe Biden announced that he would run for president um, in 2018. Immediately thereafter, uh, in 2018 and 19, the Red Chinese give this organization at the University of Pennsylvania that ostensibly is for academic purposes $50 million. And for those of you who don't know, the way these foundations work is it, it's tax-free and they provide bit provide benefits to the political class. In other words, if you've got guys you want to want to serve in your White House, you put them on the bench here and they get paid three or four hundred thousand dollars a year to do nothing. Um, you get all the perks. People in your family can work for these found foundations. It pays for all your trips and all your expenses. Uh, it's a money la laundering tax-free scheme. Um, what work, what real work do they do? None. And here we have another Biden scandal. And, you know, nothing surprises me. All of their scandals are all right out in the open. And here's another one. And, you know, follow the money, folks. The new Republican Congress has done a few good things uh, besides voting to defund the 87,000 new SS agents. Oh, excuse me, IRS agents. They have forbid Eric Swalwell, Eon Omar, and Adam Schiff from serving on any committees. Well, why is that? Well, why is Eric Swalwell on any, com any, any committees at all? He's a national security threat. He had an affair with a Chinese spy who worked for Dianne Feinstein, and the Democrats do nothing ab ab about it. Eon Omar has broken multiple immigration rules, and she's an avowed uh, hater of the United States. Uh, and then you've got Adam Schiff, who also is a foreign policy disaster and a liar, um, and he has shown his spots many times. He shouldn't be serving on any committees. Uh, he'll put his own interest ahead of that of the United States. And he's an habitual liar. So that's a good move. Some campaign contribution. Um, um, I, yeah, I would call it fraud. Um, that is not being prosecuted by the proper officials in Washington. We reported on this a month or two ago, um, uh, and it's stunning. It's stunning. There's this um, an engineer, computer engineer by the name of Chris Gleason, and he's uh, extracted all this information. But uh, 
Warnock in Georgia had $24 million of basically mule money from from hundreds of unemployed donors. Um, well, hundreds of thousands, 358,000 donations. What happens is dark money comes into these campaigns from somewhere, and it would be so easy to find out. Um, and they disperse the money amongst unemployed people, and then they give the money to the candidate. These people don't have $1,000 to give to a candidate, but it happens, and the money, it should be very easy to track that money. Gleason, just one guy, he tracked down this one donor in in Missouri who only lists himself as Steve in Missouri. Missouri. He made 14,111 political contributions of over 180,000 bucks. Uh, they keep it low to keep it under the radar. Um, but nothing, nothing happens. Gleason reported this to uh, the head of the FEC, uh, his name's Trainer. He's actually a Trump appointee, and he's never heard back from him, and nothing has ever happened. Here on this program, we've reported on this. This is, uh, you know, probably the greatest campaign uh, funding scandal in history, and you don't hear the news about it. You don't hear anything on the news about it, but we on our podcast report about it. Why we know about it? Why doesn't the DOJ and the policing authorities do something? Well, I think I answered my own question there. And Stu, the corruption is everywhere. When you effectively kill people uh, uh, by being crooked, um, I think there's a special place in hell for you. Scott Gottlieb, this is the new Twitter file drop. He um, is on the Pfizer board, gets paid $356,000 a year just to sit on the board, and he's a former FDA commissioner. Well, during the pan pandemic, when people would question the efficacy of vaccines, the side effects, some people said that... Um, that natural immunity uh, would prevent people from having to have the, the vaccine. People said children are not really at risk. He jumped on with the lobbyists the White House used in Washington to get in touch with Twitter and put the clamp on them. Um, of course, Pfizer made $70 billion. Pretty the only profit they made was off of the government paying uh, for these vaccines. And um, so it turns out, as we all know, this guy was wrong about everything. Um, and how many people were hurt um, by them not being able to make a rational decision for himself? It shows you the cabal. This guy does it for money. Uh, and he's in cahoots with the White House and the swamp to shut down free speech and open dialogue about medical issues. To me, that is corruption on steroids. And there's a special place in hell for people like that. An interesting article that I found on the Daily Mail so Dr. Ezekiel Manuel, he has said why I'm ready to die at 75. 
uh, the White House oncologist and Obamacare architect, who is 65, will refuse all medical treatment, even antibiotics in 10 years. And so he feels that even though Americans are living longer, they're spending more of that time in unhealthy years. He doesn't want to be a burden on his loved ones and on society. And he said that living longer brings a lack of dignity. And so with this, you kind of see this interesting trend of what I would call a pro-death trend. And so we have an independent video on this where we go super deep into the topic, but this is out of Canada. So these are the doctors who are euthanizing people and dying with dignity Canada. We talk about their point of view in that video. And so two of those dying with dignity workers, Ellen Wiebe and Stephanie Green, together they've euthanized more than 700 people, but they describe what they do as it's the most rewarding work we've ever done. Hmm. And it's very scary. And, you know, she proudly shared how she helped kill a man who was deemed incapable of even choosing assisted suicide. And, you know, these are people who might just have mental anguish from loneliness, or they might feel like they are just being burdened by their own poverty, afraid of being homeless. I mean, it's really kind of scary. But what we're seeing is, I think, the next jump from what I've seen, where a lot of women my age, you know, I'm in my early 30s, they don't want to have kids because they see it as being bad for the environment. And so now you have people who are saying, well, it's a burden on our healthcare system. It's a burden on my family. It's bad for everyone. It's bad for the environment if I live past a certain age. So it's kind of this purity death spiral with our human behavior that we're kind of seeing. You know, it's it's the death of the West via, you know, these kind of brain parasites, whether it's wokeness or, you know, the desire to be such a perfect citizen that you just off yourself practically. I mean, it's it's disgusting in its own special way. Well, Stu, you've heard me say many times that we're living in a post-Christian world, and I think that this is proof of it. Uh, those of us who are practicing Christians uh, know that man is made in the image of God. Uh, and when you destroy something that God made, you're acting in contrast to the good forces in the universe. Uh, you open your dialogue by saying this is a pro-death movement. Well, which spiritual force do you think is pro-death? Um, which spiritual force lies to people and says, oh, you have a rotten life, therefore you must kill yourself? Um, I think that's pretty clearly what we are seeing. And let's talk about Ezekiel Emmanuel for just a second. He was the one who was an architect of um, Obamacare. And it was later dis discovered that he pretty much advocated for death panels uh, where the government would decide who lives and who doesn't live in an effort to preserve supposedly scarce resources. Now, he says when he's 75, I don't know how old he is now, he's going to do this. Um, but still, this is like the politician 
who says, I'm not going to run for a second term. Okay. When he's, he's 75, um, you will see that he will not live by his own dictate. But what he will try to do before that is to enact social policy and government policy that other people have to kill themselves and not him. Um, this is this collectivization mindset by the elite that we're all like part of this group. And that, um, but families take care of folks. Charities take care of folks. We really don't need the government in this these these um these collectivized elites to make decisions for us, especially decisions on who gets to live and who dies. So Ezekiel, we currently have a president who is 80 years old and, you know, Trump 76, (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, 82, Uh, Maxine Waters, Diane Feinstein, you know, I can keep listing them off, but you know, I'm sure this guy, Dr. Um, Emanuel, is going to get some book deal out of this. New York, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's going to get fat off this cash even more so. And, and who decides whether or not they have um, um, a miserable lifestyle or not? Uh, yeah. And, and why is everyone treated exactly the same? Some people live to 100 and they're, they're healthy as they can be to the day they die. Uh, this is, you know, they think of us as numbers. Yeah. I mean, like someone like Dolly Parton is 76 years old and, you know, she did a Christmas special. And then a few weeks later, she did a New Year's special. So, I mean, and I imagine there was a ton of rehearsals and prep that went into that, you know, and she's still doing perfectly fine at 76. But yes, it's, this is this is what happens when you have these people who are like influenced by the work of like John Rawls, who see everything in society as like, you can't, you can't put an identity on stuff. You just have to treat everyone like numbers and you have to like imagine what's going to increase the greater good. But, you know, in his philosophy, he has the death panels because he knows the reality of universal healthcare would fail. You wouldn't have enough, resources to supply everyone with exactly what they need that's exactly why they have death panels because yeah you do away with the capitalist approach and the market economy and uh and it's like uh like rations during world war ii or rent control yeah Uh, and we've we've offshored so much of our pharmaceutical needs that we're in the middle of a amoxicillin shortage so we don't even have a basic antibiotic right now and that's given to humans and animals. You know, my late cat had taken amoxicillin at one point in time for something he had. Stu, this just more proof of this uh, elite World Economic Forum type of thinking, type of political class. They fuck up everything they touch. They need to go away. And the more they go away, the healthier, the happier, uh, more productive, and the richer we are. Their philosophy is pessimistic, and it's about doom. And it's a, it's about you know I've been rereading Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, and even he gets into some of this kind of pessimistic glow, uh, where it's just like you just feel defeated by the world. And I don't think that's the right way to approach life. Sure, we have problems right now. 
but their approach is to be like a turtle and go inside their shell and wait for the doom to come instead of finding a way to fix the problem. They're preachers of doom. Who else is a preacher of doom? Hmm. Satan? Remember church lady? Uh, anyway, Stu, I mean, my viewpoint on life is we've been saved by grace. Um, um, and we ha have a privilege of, of living. Uh, we're going to a better place. And while we're here, we have certain duties. Uh, and one of the, the duties is the sanctity of life. And uh, when you indiscriminately kill people, um, you're saying that their life is not worth much, but they are children of God. And um, I think that's what these people like Ezekiel Emmanuel are missing. Absolutely. And I just hope they just they just fade into history. And we just never have to really deal with their philosophy. They're like cockroaches. They never go away. Yeah. Uh, they're always creeping around at night uh, because sunshine in the light of day kills them because their ideas are so repugnant. Yeah. But that's really all I had for today. Well, Stu, that was very interesting and informative. And uh, thanks for bringing that up. Sounds good. I'll catch you later. See you, Stan. These things shall pass And some great morning We'll look back and smile at heartaches we have known So don't forget When shadows gather The Lord our God is still the King upon his throne.